Attention all planets in the Solar Federation. <laughs> so <laughs> um, we, we are cranked and ranked, and we have assumed control of your uh, eyes and ears for right now. Or maybe just your ears if you're listening to this as a podcast. Um, but yes. Fuck yeah, we have. New, new episode <laughs> of Cranked and Ranked is now. And it is the <laughs> exciting conclusion to the Rush album ranking trilogy. <laughs> I've just thought of something really funny there for a second. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> because I've been doing some listening for the next episode. I'm going to give it away because it, 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 it'll serve the joke. But I've, I've been listening to so much Public Enemy recently that I just want to chime in to whatever anybody says with a flavor flavor. <laughs> like, yeah! Yo, Chuck! What? <laughs> it's like, so it's like intentional planets in the Solar Federation. You heard what he said! Yeah! <laughs> By the way, we're doing Public Enemy after this. Yeah, so. we're doing... We're, 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 uh, that's not a joke. We're literally... Like, we're moving from Rush to Public Enemy. So, um... Uh, that motherfucker's not joking! Yeah, it'll be... Uh, that's a... <laughs> that'll be fun. But we get to... This episode, we get to wrap up Rush... I don't know if anybody's yeah. really noticed, but I've had four different Rush albums in each episode behind me on the YouTube video, if you're on YouTube. Um, they have never been the same four albums. I've been trying to keep it, keep it. Uh, I don't know, interesting. I know like a lot of people, like if you're watching this on your phone or something, it's like, <laughs> I, I can barely even see your face, let alone the albums behind you. But um, just, just so you know, I am putting in the effort. Okay. Hell Everyone, yeah. Um, but yes, this is going to be this me with my well. You're in transition, shelter looking house. <laughs> you're 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 in, you're having a transition, not 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 to a woman, but you're to a new house. Um, Who, who's to say? I mean, I I think that you'd be a pretty doable woman if you really wanted to do it. I I'm actually gonna and I'm probably gonna regret this. There is a photo somewhere of me after a girl did my makeup before I had all this facial hair, yeah. and I must admit. I would. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it's it's it must be nice because I I I look more I'm look, I look worse than this without the beard and everything. So it's like there's no nah, there's no saving con- me. Contouring um, does wonders, my friend. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this, this is going to be the top six Rush albums. So if if you're if you're joining us for the first time just because you want to hear the tops. Um, we did 19 all the way down to seven in the last two episodes. Um, and uh, now this is it. This is the final six of Rush, um, a band that I, I, I've been sort of, you know, looking forward to doing ever since we started doing this podcast. And now we're pretty much going to be done. And, yeah. um, you know, it's a, you know, it's a little, it's a little sad, but, you know, is what it it's is. Okay. I mean, we'll have the live albums eventually. Because we're we're gonna start we're gonna start ranking some live albums at some point. I think that's something yeah. we'll start this year. Okay, yeah. I mean I'm I'm not against doing a live album rank, especially a band like Rush that's got several to rank. I mean, mm. but um, especially like when when you're dealing with live albums from the '70s and I guess a little bit in the '80s because they to me they were way more of a big deal. Like it was a yeah, 
it was a big release. I guess some for some bands, a live album is still a big release, but for bands, you know, Rush, Aerosmith, what have you, like they put out live things and it was like, oh, it's, this is a big deal. Go buy this live album. I guess because there was no internet. And yeah, and if you and if you were gonna see live footage of a band, it was on Don Kirshner's rock concert or some shit, you know, or 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 what is it? What's the equivalent over in England? There was a there was a show where they showed live footage of bands in like the seventies and eighties. There was a there was the old Grey Whistle test. Uh, that's yeah, that one. Yeah, that's probably and, what I was thinking of. Yeah, and then then you got Top of the Pops, but that was that was more. That was lip syncing across the board. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or oh, not really lip syncing. They would do that thing where they'd be where they do a you know have the band mime but have the singer sing as we've seen with yeah. the Nirvana footage where. Kirk oh, the lights out. It's just dangerous. Also, I guess I guess sometimes the band doesn't mind miming the whole entire thing because there's like a footage of like the Smiths on top of the pops and he's just fucking lip syncing away. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, he doesn't care. He's just like, just make sure I've got plenty of flowers in my back pocket. Morrissey. <laughs> On a hillside desolate. Oh, man. Will nature uh, make a man on me yet? We we, uh, we had this. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show. But we had a running gag back in um, high in high school where I would just walk past all of the girls in uh, like an art lesson because all the art girls <laughs> str- across the board were just Smiths fans. Yeah, and uh, we were <laughs> yeah we would just walk past the door. Heaven knows I'm miserable now. <laughs> they would be like, shut the fuck up. Morrissey doesn't sound like that. You're doing it wrong. It's like, <laughs> fuck off. Yeah, he does. I mean, he's, he's, you're not far off, but you know. Nah. I'm a. I'm. I'm actually a, a Smiths fan. I'm not really a Morrissey fan. I like some of his early solo stuff. There's just a few songs here and there, but they're always the ones that just have a kind of the weird, quirky lyrics. Like that's mm. the only thing I like about them. Like just his quirkiness. But it seems like years went on and his quirkiness kind of went away and he just seems like an old curmudgeon now (laughs) but uh but anyway that's for a different episode that's for the smiths ranking episode which at this point i I don't see why it wouldn't happen at some you know maybe a couple years from now we rank the smiths albums um anyway all right we're not talking about the smiths or morrissey we're talking about rush and so the top six um, starting with number six down to number one, the big old number one. This is this is interesting because, you know, like uh, other people have been commenting on the videos and whatnot, uh, like their their picks. And you're right, like it is all over the place. Like albums that you would think would be in the top five for sure for some people that are in the middle. And mm. um, so I guess the same, you know, for you, you had albums in your all over your list that are going to be in in this episode for me. I think, you know, Russia, a band, again, they are one of those magical groups where it's quality and quantity. So there's just a shitload of great stuff. Not a lot of bands have that, but this is one of them. So, uh, so let's jump into it. Let's, let's, let's get this last, the, the final chapter of the trilogy, um, which we, which we, which we're we're not gonna fuck it up like some people do and start making other movies or special editions of this trilogy. It's just gonna mm-hmm. be this trilogy, and that's it. Actually, yeah. no. If we do if we do the live albums, I guess that's a that's a standalone. That's a cool it's a standalone movie of the live albums yeah. of Rush. But right right now, the <laughs> the canon of trilogy is uh, it ends here. Okay, with the with yeah. the with the fighting bears and Jabba the Hutt <laughs> and um. 
all that stuff. Smashing a giant robot between two fucking logs. Oh yeah, that was yeah, that was great. I mean, it's like yeah. that's a that's a really honestly like the 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 ending of that movie, the the final little thing between the emperor and 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 Luke with Darth Vader, that whole that whole mm-hmm. I, that whole it's pretty fucking great. Like that whole yeah. like it's not an incredible fight, but just the 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 I don't know. The the the, the, the build-up to it and how it finally pays off, you know? And it's, so and I remember when I was a little kid, do you get to that point where Darth Vader lifts up the Emperor and throws him? I mean, I, yeah. I was just like, oh like it was just <laughs> like that was the one of the coolest fucking things for me. So um anyway, so this is that this is gonna be that kind of episode, folks. Eventually one of us is gonna lift the other one up and th- it's gonna be you you're gonna lift me up yeah. and throw me into a to a bottomless we- weird thing on a spaceship like why was that even there <laughs> yeah <laughs> honestly i like the the amount of times i have watched star wars just to point out like health and safety regulations <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot of like, things to fall into and <laughs> <laughs> what one of one of my favorite like star wars logistics memes i've ever seen before i get into the album is that there's that you know that bit in a new hope where that dude is like he's got this like scanner gun sort of thing that he follows a an x-wing down with oh and he's like he's like in this little solo cup on top of a pipe and like someone pointed out like so does he like does he like have a toilet in that thing or does he just like drop logs over the side <laughs> <laughs> How the hell does he get up there? How does he get back down? Like, <laughs> you're, that's a, that's a good, yeah. yeah, that's a good, that's a, that's a good point. I love how we have, we've had a tangent and we haven't even started ranking anything. That's um, a sign of a good episode. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah. If you're new, if you're new, this is this is how we roll. So, um, but let's let's jump Yard. into it. Number six, your number six. I'm, I'm giving it to Eddie Sparks as we always do because I'm I'm, I'm a man six. that loves um, uh, a schedule. So I like keeping things going the same way every time. So, um, Eddie Sparks, mm-hmm. what is your number six Rush album? My number six Rush album is a Rush album that I believe is underrated as a result of being, you know, a little bit different. But it is the self-titled debut. All right. I forgot we that you hadn't talked about this one yet. Wow, mm-hmm. the debut. We have we have a Neil Peartless Rush album in the top six. Look at that. And my reason for that is I just have a major 70s hard rock boner when I listen to this album. Yeah. Because I think, oh hell yeah, this this stuff just this kicks ass. And it's like I'm glad Neil Peart Ah you can't yeah. You can't get me that time. I corrected <laughs> myself real quick. Five second rule, like I said last time. But yeah, um, John Rutsey is on drums on this one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it it is sort of a different thing. I mean, the, the hard rock basis of what they were going to do is, is here. But yeah. it's not really... The, the, the proggy stuff only really happens, it, it, maybe even in Working Man... Aside from that, it's a pretty straightforward 70s hard rock album. Yeah. But I like straightforward 70s hard rock albums. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Finding My Way, excellent opener. That's a really good album op- album opener right there. Yeah. Like that, that band. And then when it kicks in, 
just what a way to blow the doors down, you know? Yeah. It's like, we're here. Um, I mean, even the, I think even the album art reflects that, you know? It's just like a giant Rush logo just bursting out of nowhere. And yeah. it's like, boom, hell yeah. Um, Need Some Love is like Montrose levels of kick-ass 70s hard rock. Yeah, that, that, that's, sweet. that song is a good example of why Getty Lee needed some help with the lyrics. Because it's just like the, the chorus could have been fleshed out a little bit more than that. Because it's just, oh, I need some love. Oh, I yeah. need some love. Okay, okay. You, love! Need some, you need some love. All right. We, it's like it's, you, you, could, you could have written uh, like another line there, but okay. Yeah. Uh, take a friend. Cool song. The Say, vocals, also, once again, lyrically. <laughs> yeah. Take a friend, something till the end. It's like, all right. You didn't, didn't even yeah. try. Didn't even try, Getty. <laughs> I love, though, like, it's a cool song, like I say, but, like, the vocals are mixed very high in the mix of this song. And when I cranked it up, I'm like, fuck yeah, Alex, tear that shit up. But then Geddy Lee comes back on the mic and it startles the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I have to be ready with the volume knob because it's like, okay, he's coming. He's going, whoop, oh, hi. <laughs> that's, there like, you are. that's like me when I, when I watch any move, any modern movie. Because I am not one of those people. I don't give two shits about 5.1 or surround sound or any of that shit because that's, that is ridiculous. And so, (laughs) but every fucking movie seems to be mixed for somebody to have that kind of weird sound system. So what do you do? You put on a new movie and the, and the dialogue is like this. And then the music and explosions are like a million times louder. And I'm just like, come on. Like the, the average movie watcher doesn't have that kind of equipment. Just start mixing the movies where everything is fucking even. It's just you know, yeah. just just make give it give it some give it some good dynamics. We're not everything is the same level, but I mean, wh- how many? What day? What where? What year is it that they can't fucking mix movies to where the sound is is not going to fucking kill you if you have the wrong speaker set? Yeah. <laughs> like that's just ridiculous. Anyway, sorry, rant rant over. But I, I hate that. I hate it so much. It, it's cool. It's good to get things off your chest. Yeah. we. He's just saying what we're all thinking. One of people. these days, somebody that's involved in sound design or mixing in the in the film world is going to see this episode and go, he's got a point. And then the world's going to change for the better. Yeah. Here again is, is a big old slow song, track four. Track four is the optimum slow song placement. Uh, tried and true track pacing right there. Um then you get what you're doing. Uh, this could have been a Black Sabbath song. I like that one straight great. up. Yeah, like the. I mean, it does. It does. It, I mean, I'm pretty sure that is a Black Sabbath riff, but maybe they hadn't. Maybe <laughs> I, I almost feel like what year was this album? Maybe they did it at the same time. <laughs> I don't know. Would have been would have been seventy four. So I, well, Sabbath yeah. already had like. I feel like that's. A, I feel like that's a riff that's on the one of the first two albums. So that's very similar to that. I might be. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Just at a at a slightly different tempo. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Probably. But um, in the mood could have been a Kiss song. It's great. Yeah. And and like that. That's the thing with this album. People turn around and say like it's it's derivative or it sounds like a bunch of other bands. It's like yeah, it sounds like Rush doing a bunch of other kinds of 70s rock songs. Yeah. But I, I think they're still very good at it. Like, they sure. do it justice. It's a great debut um, album. Hmm. And it's... 
Before and After is this nice ballady kind of track that eventually explodes into badass hard rock. And then finally, Working Man. It, oh, like, honestly, I was annoyed at myself that I had deprived myself from this album for so long because it has exactly what I want from a 70s record. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's, you know, so high up here, you know? And again, like I say, this album rules. Like, sure, they're still figuring out who they are and, yeah. you know, they haven't gone full prog rock territory yet, but everything on here is solid 70s hard rock. You know, the stuff yeah. that sounds like Zeppelin, Sabbath, Kiss. It's kind of like a 70s rock 101 template, you yeah. know? I mean, and it, that's, like, that's probably why it's so, it's low on a lot of people's lists because, like, because of that fact, like it's not it's not a go to Rush album for a lot of people. Because mm. I think when you want to hear Rush, you want to hear a specific sound. If you just want to hear seventies rock and you don't really care, this album is a great one to go for above above a shitload of others. Like that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> is it like you know other debut albums from around this time? This album is it blows them out. It blows it out of the water. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it is one. It's it is. Um, and I'm glad that it's here in this episode because obviously if this album didn't happen, there would be no other Rush albums. And, you know, the strength of Working Man catching on in Cleveland and whatnot. And then, you know, they their career officially started. And so, you know, it's important to remember that. Like, you know, if it's a solid album, may not sound like a lot of the other Rush albums, but at the same time, you could say it's the most important Rush album because, mm. you know, you got to start somewhere. So... Certainly one of them. Um, so yeah, that is my uh, number six. Okay, so I was, was our- going to try and be clever there and and say say something in a foreign language, but uh, I I forgot. I was going to do like a like a, a Spanish number, but I forgot. Is it says says? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I could have done it. Fuck. Damn it. I gotta yeah. stop. I gotta stop doubting myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So like I remember in the the first episode when we were doing the bottom seven, I was talking about how difficult it was for me. Um, this was more difficult. Like the doing these six albums, I was a real headache because I I just kept I kept rearranging things. And mm-hmm. the really weird thing is I had an idea of where I wanted certain things to go, but then I moved them in a way where I go, no wait this, no wait. And I I tried something like different that probably a lot of people aren't expecting of me or of of of, of a rush ranking maybe a little bit, but I but I did that and I went oh that feels really nice and then I that was it I walked away from it, <laughs> but the one that ends up at number six is still one that I go wow this is only this I mean this I mean it, everything's got to go somewhere and unfortunately ah. this one had to go at number six um, a farewell to kings from 1977 and um we're literally just talking about nothing but fantastic fantastic albums that i would not i wouldn't change a fucking thing on any of these albums but net exactly (laughs) um so this is the fifth album that they did and this album has a really great energy because it's following the success of 2112 and so they now they they know they have a fan base they now know the record label is behind them no matter what they do. And yeah. so they do this album where they push the prog thing. 
a little bit even further than they did previously. And um, really, to me, the the big reason why this hurts me being at number six is because fucking Xanadu is on here. And Xanadu is just is an amazing song. One of my favorite Rush songs. But while, it, while this one is a little bit overplayed, I, I think Closer to the Heart is a song that gets kind of overlooked in how fucking epic it is in less than three minutes. Yeah. Like, I think it's less than three minutes long. And every time I hear it, it just feels like I've gone on this little journey. But by the time it comes out to that last chorus, that last verse, I'm just like, how the fuck did they manage to give that, make that kind of feeling in less than three minutes? And so that, (laughs) that to me is like that song. It's not just a, a nice 70s song it there's a they that is an amazing song and not to mention this one we get um cygnus x1 book one uh uh, the voyage which is like you know pushing the prog thing you know that i I, it's a fantastic we talked about this in the last one it's it's a fantastic song but overall this whole thing it I like this album so much because it it sounds so much like a band riding high and using their own momentum to like fuel like their desire to like do whatever because it's like they're ta- they're fully taking advantage of the fact that they can now do whatever they want and instead of playing it safe they do something a little more short and simple like closer to the heart and they do something big and epic, like Cygnus X One Book One, um, and it all makes sense on this album. Yeah, and that's insane. And the and they continue to gain fans along the way. So it was like the perfect storm of just like you know a band going from thinking that they're going to be dropped and probably break up to all of a sudden being at a point where they're like, not only can we do whatever we want it seems like all these people are, are down with this. And that is, that's a fucking, you know, amazing thing. Um, yeah, but yeah, so they continue to push things forward on this album. Um, I just think that the importance of this album, I was trying to like weigh things on like how great they are, how important they are. And, um, with this one, I, I think that they were go, they were going in a direction and they they get far into that direction, but then they do it even better with the next album. And so that's why I'm like, all right, Farewell can go here at number six because um, another one will go up higher. Um, but they just continue to, I mean, they fucking, if you look at the history of Rush, like all the albums that they put out, just the, f- I mean, you can, you can argue with me about anything maybe after Grace Under Pressure, but from this point on, it's just like it's like how yeah. amazing shit. So anyway, all right, my number, that's enough talking about this. And we talked about it last episode. So uh, that's my number six. A farewell to kings. Cool. So we're gonna talk about one now that was talked about pretty late in last episode with. Grace under pressure at number five. I, I'm I'm so glad. I, I it hurt me to leave it out of my top six because this album is so good. So I'm glad it's here for you. Hell yeah! And you know me, 
eighties is my era. It's my shit. Um, and right out of the gate, you get distant early warning, which is like way deeper into the eighties, further experimenting with those synths, almost kind of policey yeah. funky rhythms going on. Um, and it is just amazing. I even, I love the video to distant early warning too, with like the kid riding on the missile yeah. and the, you know, control center, like the command center that they're in playing. And it's, it's really cool. Um, after image, oh, oh, yeah. that the groovy riff with the stabs in there is, is yummy. Um, yeah. red sector. Hey dude, this fucking rules like eighties electro toms and dystopian death camp fucking themes like <laughs> count me in this is like a this is like a fucking dystopian 80s sci-fi soundtrack i love it um the enemy within again like i say gives me kind of like hard rock police vibes with its kind of reggae skank beat thing going on yeah uh, the body electric is cool and proggy Kid Gloves has like a fun, odd time bounciness to it. Yeah. Red Lenses, again, has a bit of a funky edge to it. And then between the wheels, dude, like, whoa. This is like, you know when you hear like a synthwave song and it's like not guitar led, but it's heavy. Yeah. And it's like, there's something really scary about this song, about like how powerful and pounding it sounds while not being traditionally beefy kind of heavy yeah but it's like scary heavy um yeah and it's big old epic 80s thing going on grace under pressure like i kind of like when i look at like ranking lists for these like podcasts that we do because i like to have an idea of what the fan base thinks of the discography so i can yeah. kind of compare my taste to it and see where where i agree and like disagree but like again it's a case of um some have this high up some have this way down low because yeah. it, again like you said there's like two rush camps there's those who ignore their synth albums and those that don't ignore their synth albums uh, yeah i i would i i would be I I think a lot of people would agree that if you if you ignore that period of rush, you're not really a rush fan. You're just a fan mm -hmm. of a certain era of a band. So it's like that's very different to me. That's that's like that's like people coming at me saying they're a Metallica fan and they're like, but they didn't do anything good after Justice. I'm like, well then you're not a fucking fan, you moron. Yeah. <laughs> you're a fan of albums, yeah. not of a band. So enjoy yourself. Yeah. I would yeah. It is a fantastic and criminally underrated record absolutely from from an amazing band i mean all of the stuff on here i was i was like crazy impressed with because like i kind of went into it thinking it was going to be like an even more new wavy signals but yeah. it it went in like a bit of a left turn adopting more of the like kind of funky reggae police sort of stuff yep. while still having that um, crunchy guitar edge to it at points, you know? And like, it, especially songs like Red Sector A and Beneath Between the Wheels, I was really impressed. Like, holy shit. Like there was a, there was a very uh, 
because I was listening to this album while I was uh, packing my drum kit down because I got a big old drum kit, and there was a moment where it's like he said, "Are we the only human beings left alive yeah. in Red Sector?" I had to stop. I was like, "My fucker's spitting fire right now, <laughs> dude! Jesus Christ!" But yeah, yeah, this this album rules. Yeah, and I agree. Those those who discount it are discounting a better life so it's true it's true it's we all we can do is feel sorry for them um Mm -hmm. all that we can do is wish them well which is a lyric from a song that from an album that i'll get to (laughs) Um, please pledge three pounds a month for people who don't like 80s rush (laughs) (laughs) for as little as the price of a cup of coffee you can help these people out of their boring ass fucking lives i'm sally struthers (laughs) (laughs) um Uh, all right on to my number five so this is gonna be um this might i this might i don't really know this might be uh, surprising to some people um but my number five is 2112 from 1976 um so we we, previously i talked about farewell to king's which, you know, came after this album, 2112, and this was in 1976. And we've talked about it before, you know, that that it was an album that they just said, fuck it. It's the ultimate fuck it album by Rush because they, they if this had failed, then that, that would have been it for, at least for that record label and that, and I mean, maybe they would have been picked up by somebody and maybe they would have continued, but who knows? Maybe you're getting dropped from a label maybe they would have just broke up and other bands would have formed. Who the fuck knows what would have happened? But this was that, 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 you know, the make or break kind of thing. Um, and we talked about this cause we did our top albums from 1976, uh, an episode last year at some point, I think, I don't really remember, but, um, yeah. but it was in, it was in my, my top five of, of that year. And, um, I talked about how I don't know if if for for the big old Rush fans out there, um, they might be able to tell me if this was intentional or not. But I've never read that it was intentional. But to me, a lot of people look at it and go, "Oh, it's one side of the concept. The other side is just songs." I was like, uh, "The other side, to me, has a concept." And yeah. I talked about this on that episode. I'll kind of run down what my theory is. Um, so obviously the first side is 2112, which, you know, everybody, if you, if you don't know the story, uh, you're in the future, uh, you're on a planet that doesn't like music or something like shit. And the dude finds a guitar, brings it to the big old big wigs and says, Hey, I found a guitar. And they went, fuck that. And they destroy it. And then there's a battle and it gets really, it's kind of vague at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, but it lasts for an entire side of an album and it's a big old epic rock opera i guess you would say it's not you know it doesn't have that those it doesn't it doesn't strike me the same way that like tommy does where it's like the songs see i don't know that's i'm not i'm not, that's a different that's for a different episode um <laughs> but it's a concept and um it's very well known and you know it's people love it so then you flip it over side two side two is not related to 2112 but it's five, five tracks and um the more that I listened to that side of the album, I started to like pick up on words that were used in the songs and the feelings of the songs. And I was like, wait, 
I think I think that this is what it is. So so side one is is twenty one twelve. That's the concept. Side two, yeah. the concept is the band deciding to make twenty one twelve. Because as we yeah. talked about, hear hear me out for those of you who are out there listening. So the very first song is Passage to Bangkok. Fantastic song. Yeah. Um, so clearly, clearly there, they're on tour. They're looking for weed. They're like, we got to find the best weed we can find because we want to get fucked <laughs> up. And then you get to the second song, which is called The Twilight Zone. And you can tell that like now they're they're high, but they're having these conversations and they've all now they've all had an epiphany. They're like, oh, our minds are open now. We know what we need to do. And then the next song, Lessons, it's all about them deciding, look, look, we're not going to be happy unless we stick to our guns in making this new album. And then you move to the next song, Tears, which is them being realistic and saying, look, there's a possibility that this could totally fail and all of this is over. Let's let's mm. be real about this. Then they wrap it all up. With something for nothing, which you can't get something for nothing. You can't have freedom for free. They decide that fuck it, we're taking the chance, we're making 2112. Boom. Two, two concepts related like to each it. other on the same album. Now, did they intend that? It could just be me being a dork and reading into things, but that's what I do sometimes. But that that makes me enjoy the album so much more because it's like I wouldn't. I honestly, I don't, I wouldn't call it a perfect album. There's a couple parts here and there where I go, ah, that could have been done a little bit better, or that line is a little bit cheese ball. But it, it, it's, it is what it is, and now it's this snapshot of this band that became a band that everyone's like, fuck yeah, Rush. But at this point, it was like, is it gonna be fuck yeah, Rush? And <laughs> but they didn't give a shit. They literally just, mm. they, they were on. Like how many bands would do that these days? You're signed to a major label with major label backing, and they say, "Don't do this kind of album again." Most bands would be like, "Okay," and they would just do whatever yeah. the fucking label wanted, so they don't lose their paycheck. But yeah. here's here's ten three minute songs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Rush did not do that. They stuck to their guns. They put out the album they wanted to make, and the rest mm-hmm. is history. So to me, that that's why it belongs in this episode of the top albums because even if it isn't one, it's not one that I go to often compared to many other Rush albums. But the importance of the album is insane. Like it's right next mm-hmm. to the first one. They, you know, they have to do a first album to start somewhere. But then Twenty One Twelve is the one that literally the their career as being a band that has this massive following and people like you and me that want to talk about them starts with 2112. Um, so that's why it ends up being number five in the, in the, this episode. Um, so yeah, 2112, let's move, let's move on. Let's move, man, this is, I'm excited to see where this goes. Cause I keep, I actually forgot like what we've already talked about of yours. So now I'm like, <laughs> what, what, what is going to be here at number four? Well, I can tell you, I have some pretty, some pretty standard picks up here. There might there you, might be one. You and I have you and I have at least two very standard picks in our top five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so my number four is permanent waves. Okay. All right. So I I kind of feel like this is a uh, I I know moving pictures came after, but I kind of look at this as like a sister album to moving pictures. Like yeah. 
you could you could listen to one after the other and it would feel kind of like a double album situation it, it's weird because i do i i keep saying that thing about them there being these different rush eras but you could almost take these two albums moving pictures and permanent waves and that be an era in itself because they 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 mm. really complement each other in a lot of ways they do cuz they they move away slightly from the real high concept progginess i mean they're they've still got very progressive tendencies uh but like any good band they said look we did that shit let's move on yeah yeah we let's explore you know some shorter songs some catchier stuff Mm -hmm. um so yeah like it like you said there's a few pockets of their discography where they have a thing and they kind of play around with that and then they're like okay there's like two or three albums of that Let's do something else now. Um, but, like, this is a real good middle ground era of Rush where they're kind of, they're really starting to explore how synths can complement their music, mm-hmm. but it's not dominating their music yet. They're still very rock and roll at the same time. Um, and it opens up with Spirit of Radio, which is the first Rush song i ever heard wow and it was that is that is an introduction right there yeah it was on um guitar hero 5 which is the video game responsible arguably the most important video game barring the gta games for me becoming a guitarist and, and a musician and a drummer and all of that um the one thing i can say about these two this album and moving pictures is that they both have multiple songs that mm. the beginning of the song you would have that meme of the dudes losing their shit when the song starts yeah. like they like it doesn't matter how many times i've heard uh yeah yeah it's still just like oh shit it just still blows everything away whatever is in my brain gets blown away <laughs> yeah. when that song comes on honestly like the the riff at the start of Spirit of Radio is probably probably a top 50 riffs of all time. Also, did you know the leading up to that, that whole... Did you know why yeah. why they do that there? Wait, they, why is that? They're literally, they literally wrote something so it sounds like you're turning the radio dial. So it's like... No. That was, that was the point of that, that they... Did something that's supposed to sound jumbled, like you're like you're going through stations and you're getting to now. Now you hit the song you want to stay on, and that's that. I know. <laughs> We're talking about a group of guys that are on a, a completely different fucking wavelength. I mean, we talked on the last episode that they're possibly aliens. So yeah, yeah, straight straight up. I, I think they crashed in the fucking sea. Or, or they're they just crawled, like crawled out. Or they're like you know proof that there's time travel, and they literally just came from from millions of years in the future, already knowing everything, and they just come back and be like, "We got this." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like the it's almost like the you know the the early rush was like Bill and Ted, and then they got into the they got into the phone booth, and then went <laughs> and got really good, and then came back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, like. Seriously though, it, Spirit of Radio again is is one of those ones where it's like you feel like you've been on a whole ass journey. Yeah, and it's only it's like what, what is it like four or five minutes long? Yeah, it's not that long of a song. 
Yeah, it, it takes you so many different places. Well, especially once you get to the words of the prophets were written on the studio wall. Once you get to that part, you're like, what? where are we? Yeah. And then it brings yeah. you right back in. It's like, ah, oh, it's amazing. I know it, it's been talked to death, but it is a fun, it's a fantastic song. It's also like one of the one of the sassiest guitar solos that they ever did. Like, dude, yeah. Like, I love that and that riff. Like I say, that. Yeah, yeah. It's so badass, man. Um, and that's just one song on this album. Like, right after that, you get free will. Like the the marriage yeah. of synth and guitar. In See, that, that's another is... one. It starts and you're just like, clear, yeah. clear my schedule. <laughs> so I'm just listening <laughs> to this song. Oh man. Like it, it's magnificent. Like that's the only word I can think of, you know, Jacob's ladder. Oh, heavy. Speaking of another chunky. riff that's fucking amazing. That's like, yeah. God damn. Yeah. It's it's like it's like almost a doom like in places with like it's fucking great. It's it it then it kind of like metamorphosizes into this like cerebral prog zone and it, it yeah. really takes you places, man. Like uh, entree new, oh. I think is how. It, I, uh, that's one of those the that's one of those get ready to learn something about yourself rush songs mm-hmm. yes like I, I love the vibey guitar parts they really ring out during the track yeah different strings mm-hmm. it's a pretty pretty kind of ballady track yeah and then finally like natural science you get this nine minute closer like and and here here's the thing, right? You just Me, disc- you've just listed off a perfect album right there. Just want you to know. <laughs> I I know. Like I I can definitely hear and and you know, here's here's the thing. I came to rush as someone and then who you, knows the band. And then you came. <laughs> yeah. I did. Many times. This is a good album, what can I say? Yeah. But um here, here's the thing, and I and I want to say this the right way because I know some people would be like, oh, that band's not as good as this band. But here's the thing, right? I can hear how big an influence Rush had on Dream Theater. Oh, yeah. Because this song, this song has a really intense guitar part that gave me straight up John Petrucci vibes. And, you know, obviously, Rush came along, you know, almost 20 years before Dream Theater. So, but my God, this is like a blueprint for their career, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it is, it's really cool, really cool album. And it's a, it's a really cool number four album that has three really good albums above it solely out of the, the thing of personal opinion, but permanent waves is fucking incredible. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and, and honestly, a little bit of personal opinion comes into you know my number four because of my number four. I I don't I've actually heard people say that they don't really understand why people love this album so much, and that really makes me worried about them as people. Um <laughs> but this but this is also a personal thing because this is just an album that I put on and I'm just like I can't I can't believe this it blows my mind that they did this album. Um my number four is Clockwork Angels from uh 
2012, the final Rush album, the 19th and final Rush album. And it is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I, it, it is, it's not only, it's one of those albums that the first time I heard it, there were so many standout tracks. And then over the years, everything else, it just keeps growing to me as an album that I love every time I hear it. And just the fact that they ended on such an insanely strong album. They made one of their best albums, in my opinion, 40 years after their debut album, essentially. Like, how how many other bands can you say that about? Yeah. Zero. That's Like, there's zero yeah. bands that made an album just as good, you know, 40 years after they started. Like, like that's that's insane. And um, I love how it's it's almost like they're revisiting all of their eras on one album while still presenting something that sounds pretty fresh and modern rush. It still sounds like a modern, you know, the later day rush albums, but the songwriting like takes such a fucking huge step up here from what they had been doing that it's, it, it blows yeah. my mind how good every song is, has some amazing part that I just go that, uh, how, how do they do it? Um, and you know, did you take two songs like mid mid to later way into the album, the wreckers followed by headlong flight are two of my favorite rush songs. I, that would be my top 10 of rush songs. Those two tracks from wow. this album, but those aren't the only killer songs on the album. It, there's just so much good shit. And also, also headlong flight does have that vibe where, um, it's written like there's a, there's a story in this in this album, but the song headlong flight, the way that it's written, it's clearly Neil and maybe the whole band. I don't know how, what input everybody had on lyrics, but basically saying like, well, this, this has been a fun ride, right guys. Um, to the point where they even use the same, the same little, little accents at the beginning of the, of, of a certain part that they used. Was it on Anthem? Um, oh no, Bastille day. So the, mm. The, the, it's it literally they literally take a little chunk of what they did with Bastille Day and put it in this song, and then you know once you get to the part where he's like you know I wish that I could live it all again, it's very it's a very emotional song for me, um, which is yeah. which, which the album itself already had like a real final kind of feel to it when it came out, but now obviously it's an even bigger emotional ride for me as a fan because it's it's the last thing that they left on and mm -hmm. it's just this beautiful fantastic album filled with riffs and tunes and and it just gets better the more that i listen to it and just i i, I mean i gotta say it again 40 years into their career and their last album ends up in the top five of their albums in my opinion like it's just if you're if you're not if you don't if you're on the fence about this album or don't like it i just just give it some fucking time because it is man i don't i don't know it's it, because it's I mean, if you're going, if you're looking for like the 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 more obviously progginess that Rush would do, then yeah, I guess you're not really getting it here. But for somebody like me, that I just like, I like really great songs. I don't really yeah. care if it's a two minute song or a, a a twenty minute song. If you bring me something that keeps me engaged and makes me want to come back then it's amazing. 
And this whole album is in, is is that kind of thing. I just I always want to listen to it because it's fucking great. And uh, that's why it's my number four, Clockwork Angels. Awesome. That could be the biggest gap between album picks. That we have on our <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, like you say, it, it clearly is a grower. Oh, so yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah. It could very easily climb. I don't know why I just I decided to have a drink there. That was that was bad pacing on my part. That's all right. Nor- normally uh, I would jump in and help out, but I you know I was you mentioned I was just thinking about the album again. I was just I was lost in my in my thoughts. It'd be a, it'd be a nice little quiet moment for the for the for the viewer. Every everybody have a drink at home. Take a drink of tea or whatever you're drinking. Stay hydrated, people. Yeah, it's very important. Like your body is you mostly die water. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta <laughs> replenish your fluids. Oh my god, he, he's squeezing squeezing air tits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start do I'm gonna start doing that instead instead of instead of air quotes. It's gonna be air air booby grabs. Touch, touch the titties. <laughs> Some people might not think that this is a good album, but. <laughs> <laughs> Cranked and ranked, sued for sexual harassment. <laughs> <laughs> they, they harassed everybody on YouTube at yeah. the same time. <laughs> uh, All right, yeah. Oh, yeah. And by the way, at the podcast world, I didn't mean to leave you out, but I'm 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 mentally grabbing your boobs as well. Okay. I'm so fast, Hong Kong. There you go. Man, I didn't even see it. I didn't even see yeah. it. it was like John Cena or some shit they, going on. They they chased me for a long time, but they didn't catch me. <laughs> <laughs> where, where were we number three we're on number, number three. three bronze medal bronze medal people okay okay so my number three power windows okay all right and, and you know why <laughs> i mean i know yeah, yeah. i mean I, I i should have i should have known that it would be here <laughs> like i thought grace under pressure was 80s holy shit like the big money right out of the gate like those badass rocky four brass synths are a yes from me like yeah oh my god like the do 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 like all that stuff going on chef's kiss um grand designs i love the like whoa section of this song very very me reverb whoa goodness uh manhattan project this would make a crazy good vaporwave song 100 percent. like that entire genre is based on sampling this exact thing <laughs> like love that uh marathon sounds like a soundtrack to an 80s movie that i commissioned specifically for rush to perform <laughs> like ah, uh, that you know how people turn around and say like, oh my God, this song was made for me. This sounds like the sort of thing that I exactly want. Like this, I, I was actually listening to this song and I had kind of a beautiful 80s movie moment where I was, I was actually walking back home and I just heard it come on and I was like, I'm going to fucking run it. Like and I just I just started fucking running, literally I, run, I running, just, running to marathon. I just started running, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, 
But yeah, it's. Um, I think you should go back to Greenbow, Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I might trap my sea legs. You ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> The it was always the one of my favorites. Viet fucking fuck damn. Damn. <laughs> I need Let's to go watch. watch fuck, fuck this podcast. Let's go watch Forrest Gump. <laughs> Tom ten Tom, Tom Hanks movies. Tom Hanks. Tim Hanks. Tom Hanks. Just just okay. imagine if the if the multiverse theory exists. There's a there's a fucking universe for every variation of tom hanks tim honks <laughs> tim honks tam hunks like they've this all got great. different vowels oh, top i love 10 that tom hanks is not not movies just top 10 tom hanks from the from the multiverse if we did top top, top 10 tom hanks movies you you know fucking turner and hooch is going in that shit oh hell yeah <laughs> he, he probably I, I don't know how he feels about it big's all right but, you know, I love Big. Big's yeah. great. I'm gonna Tom Hanks binge. Tom, yeah, Hell yeah. Tom, he's a he's a national treasure over here. Like he's you know he's one of one of the he's he's the he's like that he's the first actor I think I remember where like once he got into serious roles I'm like really they're putting Tom Tom bosom buddies is in yeah. <laughs> is in, is in some serious roles and then of course now it's just a given of course of course and Tom then, you know you know what I I really do hope I really do hope. They, I don't think they'll ever do it, but it'd be really cool if they did a Forrest Gump sequel based on the other Forrest. Because there's, it's based on a book, but yeah. there's a, but they, the author wrote a second book where Forrest Gump finds out that there's a movie made about him. I don't know the whole story, but in the I book he this. finds out. Yeah, and it, I, I don't know the whole story because I've never read the book, but I heard that that happens in the book where he now he, it's now in a reality where the Forrest Gump movie exists. And he knows that a movie has been made about him. And I'm like, well, that sounds like Jay and Silent Bob strike back, really. But <laughs> they already made that. He made Kevin Smith made that twice now. So I think we're I think maybe we're good on that. Oh, dude. Like, imagine being able to turn around and say, I'm Woody from Toy Story and one of the lead guys in Saving Private Ryan. Right. And I was in a movie where a donkey ate a bunch of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> that was bachelor party, folks. Oh, dude, what a career! <laughs> yeah, I, I hope when he dies in retrospect, it's going to be all these things like life is like a box of chocolates, and then a shot of that of the donkey going and <laughs> <laughs> like that. You know what? And Tom Hanks seems like he's got a good sense of humor, so I, I bet he would probably prefer that too. He's like, "Don't leave out the donkey ODing on on cocaine, please. Don't." <laughs> Just imagine like a crossover of the fucking beach landing, but the donkey is there. Fuck, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, I really hope that I want them to make some really fucked up weird movies. Like maybe make a movie where like all of the Tom Hanks movies are in the same universe and all the yeah. characters start meeting up with each other. And that, God, man, if I was in charge of making movies, there'd be so many fucking weird ass movies that just are for, for no reason, just made for me and maybe 10 other people, but it's yeah. gonna, still going to cost $500 million to make it anyway. <laughs> Dude, is, is there a movie, right? I, I would actually 
should, should we be telling people this or should or should we just 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 me and you right now just me and you okay. should we right have an idea right a movie tom hanks mm-hmm. tom hanks goes fucking insane right okay and he starts hallucinating okay himself everywhere but they're all roles from movies he's been oh, in my god so he's fucking fallen into absolute insanity where he's like he's talking to it, even woody is there woody right yeah he's talking yeah. right that alone that alone will cost a lot of money yeah but <laughs> but it's okay we, we'll fix it in post it's it's imagine how fucking cool that would be to explore be- like an actor goes mad and hallucinates all of his actual roles that exist out That's, there. That seems I would I would pay I would go to the theater and I, I already really didn't go to the movie theater even before the pandemic. But now I would that I would take me I would I would be like first night I would be there with all the all the germ filled people and I would go <laughs> see that movie. That's why I just I just that's why I think maybe I I, I make I mean I'm glad that we're on the same page here because sometimes like movies come out and I'm like who's the audience? Turns out millions of people want to see another fucking Spider-Man movie, but I'm just like I don't I don't want to. I want to see Tom Hanks fighting a bunch of other Tom Hankses. Yeah. <laughs> that are all other characters from his movie. Like that's what I want to see. Quit spending all this money on these other movies and start doing some cool shit. Hankception. <laughs> I have a really great I have a really great idea for a movie but I I've, I I I don't ever want to talk about it cuz I'm afraid somebody's going to take it and run with it and I'm never going to get any fucking credit for it so I'm not I'm not going to do it here. And then there's the sequel <laughs> sequel where he goes nuts again but it, this time it's Tom Tanks. So it's an action movie and everyone is Tom Hanks, <laughs> but it's a tank. So like, I thought you were gonna say like <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine. It's Thomas the Tank Thomas the Tank Engine should be in the Tom Hanks movie too, just because he's Tom Tanks engine. <laughs> <Tom Tanks>. <laughs> <laughs> this is an amazing so if any God, if somebody the- out there can make <laughs> movies or knows no. people who make movies, get get us in touch with them. And just put us in a room. We don't. We're 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 literally sober right now. Neither one of us have had any drugs or alcohol of any kind. And this is the kind of classic shit we come up with. They need the, to be consulting us for movies. <laughs> you, know how, you, know, you know how Thomas the Tank Engine is narrated by Ringo Starr. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like there, there's a part in the movie. Where all of the Tom Hanks tanks, so all of the Tom Hanks, <laughs> start fighting. And then, like, Ringo Starr explicitly addresses the audience and says, I am warning you with peace and love. <laughs> Shit is getting real. And then all of a sudden, the, the door bu- busts open and a whole bunch of fucking hot dogs run in. Like, we're the Tom Franks. <laughs> <laughs> How the fuck did we get here from Power Windows? <laughs> it, I think it was Marathon. Oh, it's this fucking is the Forrest best Gump. Tangent. Everything, everything comes back to Forrest Gump in life. Uh, you know. I, I, I feel like we could go on like for a, hours about that, but I don't. I just, I, I feel like it, you know, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you, Save you know, that for the for the pitch meeting with us in the studio. 
you know how you were saying earlier about how how they managed to fit like an epic into a into like a three minute song yeah like yeah. i feel like we just did that with a podcast yeah we we did you're <laughs> welcome everybody we don't this is we 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 literally we should be one of the top podcasts in the world but you know yeah whatever we're just we're down here I want someone who's good at graphic design to make a Tom Tanks movie poster. <laughs> Don't forget to, Tom, to put the Tom Franks somewhere in yeah. the poster. Yeah, but like subtly hidden as to not give the, the plot twist away. It's like hidden. No, that's, a bush. True. that's true. That no, don't put it on the poster because I want it to be like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, where you don't expect that awesome shit's going to happen, and then yeah. the Tom Franks show up. Oh man, <laughs> it's it's going to be a great movie that nobody's ever going to make, and it makes me really sad. Uh, who's to say? Like, okay, I've I've just given us <laughs> I've just given us like major content fuel. I have a green screen. It's achievable. You know, the 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 real important question here is what is it called? <laughs> Uh, uh, Tom Hanks and oh, Tom Tim Honks is a goose, <laughs> and he has to, Tim Honks. He's the goose because he honks. <laughs> okay, and he has to he has to navigate the insanity and try to convince everyone. <laughs> but he's a talking goose, <laughs> which is a major obstacle for him because, like, he's like. Hey, yeah, I can talk. I'm a fucking goose. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody takes it seriously because it's like, huh, well, there's a bunch of tanks you know, that all t- are all voiced by t- Tom. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, do you know that just to bring it back to uh, a person that it, it's, he's, uh, I, I'm a big fan and um, he's inspirational to me in certain ways, but um, uh, Kevin Smith you do realize that, like, what we've just did right here, like, Kevin Smith made an entire movie based on the kind of conversation that we we're just having, where yeah. he was making a podcast. He was high as fuck. We're not high. <laughs> and they and they were talking about making a movie where a man makes a walrus suit to put another man in. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the podcast episode, Kevin Smith says, hey, if you guys want us to make this movie, then ha- do, send out the hashtag walrus yes. <laughs> And, and millions of people did, including me. And then he made what I consider one of his best movies. Like if you if you haven't seen Tusk, god damn, it's one. This is it's like what we're talking about. It's a movie where I go, who was this made for? Clearly, it's made for me because it's fucking weird as fuck and and hard to explain to anybody. <laughs> and, but it's also very well done. <laughs> recommendation, movie recommendation, Tusk by Kevin Smith, folks. It is it is a movie. You're either going to love it or hate it, probably. Um, if you love it, then you are correct. So, <laughs> anyway, back to Marathon. Woo! Yep. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I ran the whole way home because I heard that, that was song. a That was like the Cygnus X1 size, you know, or was it, oh, it was a 2112. It was an entire side of an LP um, uh, diversion. <laughs> well, we, have, we, haven't got, we haven't got to the instrumental part yet. Oh, that's true. That's that's literally when we just sit we're just gonna stare at each other for like twenty minutes. <laughs> Can you imagine if we did that? Just like the audio, the poor audio listeners don't get shit for like twenty minutes. That would, yeah, that would. 
<laughs> It'd be like that's it's our it's part of it's our artistic intent to have twenty minutes worth of silence in this podcast. And don't speed up your damn podcast because you're supposed to enjoy the twenty minute silence. Starting and now. There there is a okay. fart buried in the mix that you can only hear on the vinyl. Oh yeah. And we're gonna bury a whole bunch of noises that are gonna fuck with your dogs. Yes. <laughs> um so yeah. Uh, marathon kick-ass song yeah, great song that, yeah that is so good it made us go on a hallucinogenic rant about Tom Hanks. um yeah i think but, i think everyone's we're all better people for it now too yeah. so <laughs> man that was uh that was awesome yeah territories is a cool song mm-hmm. something people often criticize this era for is is not being as guitar oriented but there's a decent amount of distorted guitar in this song um, yeah, I think the problem is a lot of times the keyboards overpower. You can hear the guitars clearly, but I think the keyboards, they got a little bit too prominent in the mix um, for some people's tastes. But, you know, whatever. Fair. And and that's that's the thing, you know, just because a band is exploring, like, different instrumentation, it doesn't take away their other albums. Like, let them do what they want. But, uh, yeah. yeah, Middletown Dreams... Has a kick-ass guitar solo in it, you know, and Motion Doctor is vibey, proggy eightiesness, <clears throat> and then finally you get uh, Mystic Rhythms, which is just epic. You know, this cerebral eighties yeah. vibe stuff is ace. And you know, I at the time of writing this, uh, I was listening mm-hmm. to a shit ton of of Vaporwave on the side, and I can categorically tell you that. If you played like a, a single off of this album at like 33 RPM as opposed to the 45, like it would be Vaporwave. <laughs> like it, I I like it and it's cool. Yeah. Cool album. Fuck yeah. I mean, apparently very cool. It was your number three. That's that's high up there, man. Mm. Um, <clears throat> My number three... This might be shocking to some people because I feel like for many, many, many people, this is probably number one. Uh, but it is my number three. Uh, moving Pictures from 1981 is my number three. Um, I don't fault anybody for putting this at number one because it is a fabulous album. I started writing my notes and my notes just say Tom Sawyer, Red Barchetta, YYZ, Limelight. <laughs> because it's like, I mean, yeah, the first like, you know, I mean, the whole album's great, but those first four tracks are some of the most iconic Rush songs all in a row. Yeah. You know? And once again, those songs, that the it starts, and I lose my shit. They're just fucking mm. amazing tracks. Now, I had to get real nitpicky here. You probably don't care about this, but the camera eye, the synthesizer on that always makes me giggle. And I know that it wasn't supposed to because it, it always reminds, cause you know that meow, meow, meow. It always reminds me of like back in the eighties, you would watch like an instructional video and it would always be like the future of technology and the music in the background. would always be like, meow, meow. It sounds like that. Like the, like when you see a video about the future, but it sounds very much in the past. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's what it reminds me of. It's one of the, and I re- at the time, I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, that sound was very fresh 
I mm. mean, I was only three years old in 1981, so I don't fucking know. Or four? How old was I? I was born in 78. You do the math. I'm not a math magician. So um, I was like, oh, that's kind of cheesy, but I like the song. Um, and honestly, I would, I would say that um, the second half of the album is not as strong as the first. And I know that's not cool to say because the first half is stacked with radio, radio tracks. Mm. Um, but those songs are so strong. I don't even, I don't care. I don't care how many times to- I've heard Tom Sawyer 500 times, probably more. Yeah. I, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. It's just, it, it'll still, it still hits me every time. How cool the, the riff, the bass riff of the bone, yeah. like yeah. that whole, it's fucking amazing. But the I, I I love the second half of the album too, but I do think that it 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 loses a little bit of something. I don't know what it is. Because I wouldn't change anything about it necessarily, because I love how it plays out and I love how it sounds. But um this ended up here because I compared it to its sister album or whatever you would say. Um and I and I and I basically put them next to each other, and when I went through which we'll get to later, Permanent Waves. Um, when I went through that one, every I was like, every fucking song, I was like, fucking banger. Whereas this one, the second half, I start to go, this one's great. But, you know, mm. so it's so it was a little bit, so all of a sudden I go, all right, well, Moving Pictures has got to, the importance of this album cannot be argued. It's it's an amazing album, really b- big turning point for the for the band, some of their most iconic songs. But the two albums that are above this for me, as albums and statements of what they were doing at the time are more perfect than this one. So that's why number three is moving pictures. Cool. Uh, I think as well, like, like what you've said about like your music taste is that you like really great songs. And I think the second half of the, like you say, the second half of the album isn't as radio and I, I think, yes, because it goes on more of like a vibe kind of yeah. approach. Which is not a bad thing at all. Yeah. Whereas like the first four songs of that album are like, these are songs. And they're real catchy songs. Yeah. Um, I mean, you put you put anything up against that, that Red Barchetta. That whole part is so fucking good. I, lo- I love watching the, on the the um exit stage left um you know there's the live album but i also have the vhs and just i love watching alex play that part of the song like he just you know you you can tell that he's like this riff fucking rules i'm like it does (laughs) sir it does so anyway but you know what the funny thing is if you ever if you ever watch anything from that concert it always makes me nervous because alex has a an actual windy chord Yes, from this amp, and he keeps going to the very end of the court. I'm like, you're gonna, wow, you're gonna knock something over. It's gonna come and pull. What are you doing? But he keeps coming over to where the thing is like. It looks like it's really pulled really tight. And I'm like, <laughs> like, how, like, what's what? I mean, I either had to have been a show where he went a little bit too far. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? Anyway, you might have sorry. had like a little like duct tape X on the floor to like this is the limit. Do maybe oh, by. maybe he did. Like, yeah. Alex, do not go past this point. Um, yeah, but you know what? Be- Knowing them, he probably went past it anyway. They're they're rule breakers. Yeah, 
All right. All right. Well, so now, man, we have we've now made it to the top two. Top yes. two Rush albums. This is getting getting very close. Um, I don't even I know one that you haven't talked about, but now I don't remember what the other one would be. So this is let's do it. Cool. So my uh, number two. Twenty one twelve. Oh, OK. Yeah, yep. there you go. All right. I mean, this is one of the. The Rush albums. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's. 2112, it's majestic opener to one of the greatest prog rock compositions of all time, kicking off this album. Like, Temples of Syrinx was doing badass 80s choruses years before anyone was doing badass 80s choruses, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is from 76, you know? They they go all soundscapey for a bit with some cool, like, rushing water, pun intended, Uh before exploding into like uh, whimsical yet rocking chord sequences with like plenty of Neil Peart fillage, you know, and then they return to the temple section for this ripping guitar solo. And, you know, again, this song just keeps cementing itself as just fucking untouchable. And yeah. then, and then you get, you know, another kick-ass section before the, it returns to the soundscapey kind of vibe. Um, and then after that entire side blows you away, you flip it over and the first thing you hear is And it's like oh, And that's already you? cool that's already cool enough, but then Alex goes up, is it an octave? And does the And that's not that's not an octave. That's like a it's a it's a harmony that's uh, fuck, I don't know. I don't know music terms. <laughs> I'm, shouldn't I'm even now, be shouldn't even be doing this podcast. Stop listening. I'm, I'm now realizing something. Did yeah. the, did Passage to Bangkok inspire Indians by Anthrax? Well, no. The, you, you're t- the beginning I, of, of that no, is supposed to be no. based on what. What I'm saying is the. Um, yeah, that I'm pretty did, sure that the, did in, Anthrax in hear it. And say, I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be based on some sort of Native American music. Well, either way, both sound cool. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. It's based on some actual piece of Native American music or the white person accumulation of what they think Native American music is supposed to sound like. You know, but uh, I think that's what it's from. But I mean, you 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 could be right. I don't know. It's just every anything's possible, I guess. Yeah, not not saying anybody ripped anything off or or you know whatever. People might turn around and say, "Culturally appropriate." So, you know what? It's okay. It's I have no problem with somebody being inspired by something or two minds thinking of a similar thing, as long as what you did is also quality shit. Then I don't care. Does not. Yeah. Because there's only so far you can go with rock music. Shit, shit gets repeated all the time. Yeah. Um. But if it's if it's a if it's if it's something that I hear, oh, I've heard that a lot of times. You now you have to work harder to make this a song that I'm gonna fucking care about. But if you yeah. can, then kudos to you. And passage to Bangkok kicks ass. Uh, Twilight Zone, awesome, love it. Has a perfect mysterious kind of feel to it. Um, 
lessons. It's like this acoustic lead rocker that explodes into a, a majestic chorus. Tears is like a somber 70s rock ballad. And then Something for Nothing, great chorus, great closer, fuck yeah. I, like, need I go further? It's fucking 2112, man. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it's an absolute like, classic damn. album. Like in like in like any band would would have would be happy to just make this album, mm. but but Rush did so much more than this album. So I find it incredible that you know a, a band can have and at this play at this point I'm just I'm filating the guys really because like <laughs> they've put out so much incredible stuff. Just those three guys and and John Rutsey. Yeah, give him some give Fair. him some credit. He was there at the beginning. He needs some love. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Okay. It's it's awesome. All right. Awesome album. My top two. Uh first thing I'm gonna say is these are inter- interchangeable. Either yep. either one of these could be number two or number one, but I'm leaving it as I left it when I said this feels good, I'm walking away from it. Um, but these are my two favorite Rush albums, and to me, they're pretty much right next to each other um, with how I feel about them. But my number two goes to Hemispheres from 1978, um, which cool. is their sixth album and the ultimate statement of their prog rock era is Hemispheres. Yes. Um, just the fact that, like, like, not only is there a big old track-long epic on the first half but to make it even more proggy it's a sequel to another song yeah <laughs> um which which ended the last album so that's very that to me is like that's cool as fuck and that's another thing that i wish but why do bands not do that i don't even think dream theater does that do they do that where they like continue from other albums maybe they do they've, they've got i don't some know songs, enough about them they've got some songs that link up they did like five albums in a row where um they did this thing called the 12 step suite where it literally oh. each, uh, each of the five albums had at least one track on it that dealt with like at least two or three of the 12 steps of like the 12 step program that like Mike Portnoy gotcha. was on. And like, yeah, there's riffs that come back in like different variations and stuff. And like the whole thing amounts to like 50 minutes of music of interesting linking together See that that's that's interesting i, I I'm, I'm into that not really interested in delving into that band if I'm one one day when we do it i will but yeah everything i've heard is just too samey and safe and it's weird to say about a prog rock band but yeah we'll get, um, we'll they, get they didn't they didn't have they, they haven't they didn't have an 80s period like if like if Rush had continued if, if Rush had made nineteen albums that all sounded like twenty one twelve I wouldn't be talking about them the same way that I'm talking about them now, but um, yes, Hemispheres. Th- this is this like my number one is an album that I went through in every single track and went this is f- fucking killer. Yeah. Um, so you know, second side is Circumstances, The Trees, and La Via Strangiato. Fuck yeah. Fuck everything when that song comes on. <laughs> it's it. That song in itself is a masterpiece, and it's got that amazing Alex Lifeson solo that just starts kind of, yeah. it's very like understated, and then just gets all crazy. And it's like that is just an example of like why he's such a fucking great guitar player because he, he there, there will be these things that he does where you're just like, 
why don't people talk about him? Yeah. I mean, Rush fans do, but when they talk about the greatest guitar players, people don't say Alex Lifeson, and they should, because he fucking rules. But this whole album is just, it's got, I just love the fact that, like, it's, they they went as proggy as they could possibly go um, with this version of proggy. Because when you say proggy, it means progression. And when you get to their next album, like it or not, that's a progression. So this, they're, they're, this is as much as they could do with what would become the quote-unquote template of what prog rock and prog metal is, which has now gotten really fucking boring. But when they did Hemispheres in 78, like that's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess, I'm guessing probably every prog band since then, this is, you know, they owe everything to this fucking record. <laughs> um, but yeah, to me, it's just got, it's, it's just such a great journey and... Um, to me, it it I think it betters what they did on twenty one twelve, where I think, you know, the 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 big ass epic Cygnus X one book two hemispheres, I like that much more than I like twenty one twelve. The three songs on the second half I like much better than the songs on the second half of twenty one twelve. So it's like, you know, sure they've done something similar, but I think in all in all regards, they push themselves to the limits yeah. of what they could do in this particular album. And they made a perfect seventies prog album um, that I never get tired of hearing. Um, it, it is, in my opinion, their seventies masterpiece. They, they, it's the best. Like if somebody said, what's the ultimate seventies rush album, I'd be like, I think hemispheres is that album. Um, so that's why it's my number two. So let's now we're, now we're it. Now we've, we've made it. We've made it to number one. Number one, baby. Cool. So, here we are. Concluding the trilogy. Oh, wow. My number one Rush album is... Fucking moving pictures, dude. There you go. Like, holy shit. Am I right? (laughs) Like, Tom Sawyer... I don't care how many times I've heard it. I I will never get bored of it. It is one of those songs that is immune to overplay. I don't ever tire of hearing Tom Sawyer. Red Barchetta, like you said. Awesome. YYZ, or YYZ as it would be pronounced in the UK. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, um, Sorry. It, yeah, it's okay. You're in Texas. For our, our, cool. for our European listeners, um, YYZ. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a full-on instrumental prog goodness. Um, yeah. Limelight, probably my favorite Rush song. I've... It's... It's... An absolute classic. I love Limelight so much, and you know, I, I sound like a I sound like such a greatest hits boy right now, but like this album. No, shit. it's yeah. Plus, plus, it's got it's got to me the ultimate Neil Peart line: "The I can't pretend a stranger is a long-awaited friend," because mm. um, that's so his whole his whole demeanor about being a rock star. Like he he was nervous and a little embarrassed about it Hmm. and he didn't so whenever you see you see footage of like meet and greets he's not there because um he just he he can't 
there's a there's a weird thing where he, he almost feels it's almost seemed like he didn't felt like he felt like he didn't belong in that world would that and, would um, that come as like would that come under imposter syndrome or something like that where he's like, could, it could be um i mean he's talked about it a lot and and, and um but yeah I, I just or maybe it's just like he doesn't feel deserving of that kind of attention and it makes him feel embarrassed which i could totally understand like it's like i wouldn't want to you know if i if i was a, a famous musician i would feel really weird sitting in a room talking about how great my own shit is like yeah i it i i i don't know it would feel very weird i would be happy to listen to other people talk about it yeah but like if you want to get me involved and be like let's talk about something else that, <laughs> it's just not yeah i've i've always it's kind of like when you're at a birthday party and everybody is singing happy birthday to you and you're kind of just there for a moment. Like, yes, that is one of the most uncomfortable things in the world. Like, why is it? Why why, is it over yet? Yeah, it's, that is a tradition that I would like to get rid of. Absolutely. That's, (laughs) it's like, if I feel so awkward, but okay. I I just want to step back here as well. Like it, it's is one of those things where it's like when you look at human evolution <laughs> here's a tangent right someone one day turned around and said ah yes the calendar says i am once again a year older i shall bake a cake put little sticks in the cake light f- light the sticks in the cake on fire i will give you the cake you will blow out the fire and I will sing you a song. <laughs> and it's like, when you step back and look at this tradition, it's really weird. It's, There's a lot of weird ass traditions. It's kind of fucking weird. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like, it makes if, me wonder like which part came first. <laughs> was it the sweet part that came first? Was it the fire and blowing out the fire that came first? Or was it the, obviously the song didn't come first. Cause I think that you celebrated <laughs> birthdays before that song ever even existed. But, um, also, can you imagine being the person that wrote happy birthday to you? Like that's, that's yeah. gotta be insane to be like, I just wrote this thing and it's just going to yeah. live on for eternity. <laughs> there, that's a notorious thing to get like copyright. Sh- uh, but you mean that's not public domain for. now? It should, it's not that old that it should be there's public a, domain. There's a, I'm pr- I don't know if, she's still alive but i know that there was a there's a lady that owns the rights to it and if she hears it she's like uh, 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 pay up that's I just own the rights that's rude as fuck that's like that let's get ready to rumble guy it's like get, get, go fuck yourself i must say <laughs> let's get ready to rumble whenever i want to Gosh, shit, we're, we're gonna get so screwed, i just man. said it twice <laughs> and happy birthday to you okay <laughs> Copyright claim in three, two, happy. They're just going to remove I'm, my I'm entire channel. <laughs> <They're just> like, <laughs> Fuck this guy. He broke two of the biggest rules in one minute. Fuck, <laughs> uh, man. Like, uh, it, going back to the tracks, though, like the oh, camera yeah. eye, like. Meow, uh, meow, meow. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's what we can do with technology. G, G, G. <laughs> The all-new Toyota Corolla. <laughs> um, the God, future of yeah. cars is power windows. Oh, which will later become a Rush album. Call callback. Shit, this shit's getting meta. Oh. 
Um, that's also copyrighted yeah. now because that's, that's yeah. the name of a fucking company. <laughs> there's there's, there's going to be a part, there's going to be a moment where humans are going to turn around and have to start like ending their sentences with like TM. Like, just like, just be like, yeah, I listened to the cranked and ranked TM podcast. <laughs> and yeah, it's, you can't, yeah. can't say anything without paying some money to somebody. Yeah. Didn't like Gene Simmons once say that he'd trademark the air we breathe if he could? Probably. Like, like Probably. I'm pretty sure he said that. Uh, I love you. Know, I, 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 I love yeah. Gene. I don't fucking care. He's like, but because yeah. he's he, he's 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 a very honest person, but in certain ways, he's also very smart and um, funny too. So, you know. <laughs> You ever seen and that, creepy, like, really? and creepy, as we covered in the, in the <laughs> podcast episodes we did. <laughs> did. Have you ever seen that, uh, like, really uncomfortable Loudwire interview he did? No, I don't think so. Like, and he keeps, like, dropping the, yeah, that's uh, GeneSimmonsArchive.com. Like, keeps doubling down on the .com, like, at the end of, like, whatever it was. I can't remember. It's, like, a, it's a fun watch. Take I have to a, find take it. A, Take a drink every time you cringe, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, blah, 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 that's that's related because Rush toured with Aerosmith, not Aerosmith, with Kiss and Aerosmith, but Kiss. We were just talking about Kiss. My brain is like stuck in all sorts of seventies bands, the seventies band Muck. And they can't, I can't get out. All right, that's a good name for a band, Muck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of soaring synths and like gorgeously crafted bass and guitar work with a kim- kill- killer-, killer drummer underneath it all. Sorry. I had a mild stroke there. That's um, right. <laughs> we knew, we knew what hunt, you meant. Yeah. Witch Hunt is this uh, spooky, menacing track. Yeah. And I'll raise my hand and show my age because the first time I heard this song was actually, <laughs> you're probably going to hate this. It was the Machine Head cover on the special edition of Unto the Locust when I was about 13. I will okay. concede. I don't think I've ever heard Rush, that. So the, the Rush version is better. <laughs> um, uh, Vital Signs, very sci-fi rock vibe to it. Yeah. Sonically, this is the ultimate middle ground sweet spot of everything Rush does best. It's got heavy riffs, epic synths both working in kind of tandem with each other mm-hmm. it's kind of state of yin and yang you know one one without the other like they don't ever fully overpower the other one mm-hmm. uh it's truly a beautiful masterpiece of accessible progressive rock and i'm gonna tie up my rush ranking in a cute little bow Nice. And a, a lot a lot of the things that you were saying I would actually say applies to my number one, which is permanent waves from 1980. Um so I said it before, like going through with moving pictures and permanent waves, permanent waves is just like I said with hemispheres, it is a perfect, perfect album. But the reason why I ended up feeling really nice with putting it here at number one is because sure it's the first it's the first of them sort of moving away and being like okay we don't have to we don't have to do 20 minute tracks anymore um we can start focusing a little bit more on just the the so- actual structure of songs 
making them memorable, making them fucking anthems, I guess. I don't think they, they necessarily intended to. I think a lot of them just ended up that way. But um, this one, like, sure, it's, it's, it, it, if, if you're coming here for very proggy rush, you're not getting as much of that here. But I feel like this is the perfect first Rush album for anybody to listen to. Because you need to know where they went and where they started. And I think that this is not only a great combination of those things, but also it has some very accessible songs in it too. Gets you right into it. Spirit of Radio, Free Will, amazing fucking tracks. But you you still get some progginess in there, but you just get nothing but killer shit from beginning to end. You know, like there's no, there's nothing I would change about, about permanent waves. Every single track is so fucking perfect. And it, I, 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 to me, it's the ultimate rush album just because that is, you know, if you, especially if you're going all the way into when rush started doing what I referred to later as their more middle of the road rush type stuff in the, in the nineties and beyond, like it all kind of starts here. Like that's where yeah. the shift kind of makes to where them going in that direction. But also, you know, this one is still a, a fucking rock album and it's still a prog album. It's mm. just got everything in it, but at the same time, just backed up by amazing songwriting. And I feel, yeah, I feel like we between the two of us, these two albums, Permanent Waves and Moving Pictures, like enough has been said about them and people love them already. Um, I think a, a lot of people would disagree with them being the top albums. Um, but I think that's just a matter of taste really. Um, yeah. There's again, like we said, there's no wrong answers no. with rush really. Plus I would also, you know, remind you that I, that I would put this in hemisphere in hemispheres on equal playing fields, except for, I think production wise, permanent waves sonically sounds better than hemispheres. Mm. But, um, but they're both, you know, that, that's we're talking back to back albums here. Like, you know, they they ended yeah. the the Prague era and they started this era, um, and it's just this is just such a fantastic album. So it's just, you know, you, you get you get the absolute Stone Cold classic go to Rush songs, but then you also get just this amazingly well crafted album that is uh, is perfect. And so, yeah. um, man, that that is. I'm I'm a little sad. I almost don't want to let go. It's like a, <laughs> I don't want to let go of Rush because we've been having a really great time, especially today. Um, but you know what? We did a good job, so that means that we have to we got to we got to let everybody know we're done. And the way we always do that on this show is like this: three, two, one, yeah, yeah we did it! <laughs> All right, Rush in the can. You know, yeah. uh, that sounds kind of rude, but you know, in the as in <laughs> when you when you finish filming something and you put it or or recording something and you put it in a in a, a can, nobody yeah. does that anymore. Now it's just say, saved to the hard drive. Um, Sad man, we need more cans. <laughs> <laughs> um, our, so yeah, that's a that that's, that's rush. not a can. That's a that's a that's a water bottle, as you would say in, in your side a, of the a world. A water bottle. A water bottle. What the letter a fucking T doesn't rotter. exist. Um, you dirty fucker. All right. 
Um, oh, I'm fucking wrong, huh? Um, so yeah that was that was rush uh with some fun tangents in there like this is you know not only not only was the was the about the ultimate rush albums but also i think the ultimate example of how uh our our podcast can be thoughtful also ridiculous but Mm. i think all the way through entertaining am i wrong everybody out there um (laughs) i don't i don't think i am (laughs) We we had like major philosophical like epiphanies in the first episode. First episode, the, yeah. And by the third, we're pitching <laughs> to Tom Tanks. <laughs> Tom Tanks. Uh-huh. Tom Tanks merch coming soon. No, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, somebody has to design that for me. But um, speaking of that, peanut butter platypus. To those platypus. of you who are who are here all the time, um, we love you and um, yeah. Um, as 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 Eddie um, said in the beginning of this episode, um, when we come back next week, we're going to be starting uh, Public Enemy. We're okay, heading back into hip hop, and um, we're going to be ranking what I consider one of the most important hip hop bands ever. I mean, I say yeah. band because there's not really a band, but you know what I mean, groups. Um, but. Um, That'll be that'll be fun, and it's and it's like you know we're kind of I, I we like giving everybody some different flavors here. Just yeah, no no pun intended when I said flavor. Um, yeah, but uh, that'll be fun. But yeah, so right now that closes the the book on Rush closes book two. The the yo Chuck three. he's shutting the book. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, so yeah, that's it. That's it. I I don't. This is the weirdest one to say goodbye from because I feel like oh we're 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 now done with this. It feels I feel like we just started it. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you all for listening and for being here. Do you have any final words for our for our lovely listeners and viewers? This has been a journey, a journey long overdue. <laughs> now we're gonna the credits roll yeah yeah we're gonna go to bangkok and find the best weed we can possibly find and pitch tom tanks yeah <laughs> Just tom tanks tom tanks and tom and tom franks um yes and tom thanks for listening Woo! <laughs> 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 All right. Full segue. On that on that note, before I ruin it, let's 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 do what we usually do and throw it over to Mr. Eddie Sparks to take us out. Uh, have I got any fucking sunglasses on me? No. Just imagine me with sunglasses on. Okay. What you say about his company is what you say about Lady Dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! The fucking the thing came up. It said, "It said playing music." The fuck, Zoom came up. Did it recognize that as Getty Lee? Wow, I didn't see. What I didn't see the that at all. Fuck. Wow. What? You, apparently, you sound just like Getty Lee. That is wow. <laughs> Zoom thinks so anyway. We to- we're totally getting fucking claimed for that. You know. I hope, this, I right? hope we don't. I hope we don't. If, 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 um, if we didn't, get, if we didn't, then you're, we're going to end it right here. <laughs> But otherwise, it would, it, would have, it would have ended earlier. God just have to cut uh. that part out. But hopefully, I don't. All right, that we already said goodbye. Why are you still here? All right, everybody, fucking do it. <laughs>